Hi everyone, welcome back to This Is Womanhood. My name is Gina Torres and on this podcast I chat to lots of different women about their journeys and about what lights them up and the things that they've learned along their path. The reason I started this podcast is because I've been running women's circles and I just find that hearing other women share about their life can be so healing and just being witnessed in that and knowing that you're not alone in the journey that you've been on and the emotions that you feel. And in this episode, I'm chatting to my friend Melly, Melissa Lacey, who is a gut health coach, relationship coach, actress. She does many different things and she's had such a rich life, you know, lived from living in India for years, from having bouts of silence, from pursuing a deeply spiritual path to coming back to London and trying to integrate those teachings into her London life and we talk about it all here so I'm sure you'll get a lot from this episode. Melly is a wealth of knowledge in health, wellness, biohacking and so we kind of cover a little bit of everything. So without further ado let's get into the episode and I hope that you enjoy. Um, I guess just for the for the people who are listening would you be able to introduce yourself and tell us like what it is that you do right now? I know that you do so many things and all of them are really interesting. So I'm sure we're going to dive into lots of different topics. Um, But if you just want to introduce yourself, that would be wonderful. Yes, thank you. So my name's Melissa Lacey and my friends call me Melly, which I love. <laughs> and I am predominantly a gut health coach. Um, but I also work, you know, with women and men hormonally on kind of weight loss, on any kind of skin problems they might have. Um, and I've really found that working on gut health has led a lot deeper into aspects of mental health and spiritual health so although I started off in the gut I've ended up kind of covering so many realms of health and wellness which has been fascinating because it's kind of taken me on my own inner journey of healing um, and being able to kind of constantly expand my practice you know means you never get bored and there's always more layers to explore always more layers to heal um, and life can just get better and better so that's kind of in a nutshell what I do mm, yeah and so I think that so I think I met you I don't know what year it was when I met you it was a really long time ago it was way before I had Malachi and I think that you weren't on this journey as much then. I remember you kind of, I mean, I don't know whether you, when that journey began for you, but I remember you kind of starting on a really spiritual path. I think mm-hmm. it was not long after I met you. Did you go traveling around India or something at the time? Yeah, gosh, that's the... It's so long ago. It was so long ago. It was so long ago. And I think that, like, I guess I'm just really interested to hear people's journeys of like what's led you to where you are now you know from what you were doing before because what were you doing before before you started this kind of health journey yeah well I think I think where I first met you was at a London party mm-hmm. and you know the classic London party drinking you know music everyone kind of wearing nothing and you know and I I met you and I actually remember this so well I looked and I and I said oh my goodness you're not wearing any makeup and I was like 
wow this girl is something else like and you had all these kind of spiritual tattoos and it kind of, I just felt it in my heart I was like this girl's special I need to know her and I was not on any kind of spiritual journey at that point um but yeah I think um shortly after that I ended up going to I was kind of dabbling in health and wellness I read a book called natural cures I don't want you to know about you know this was back in back in 2008 2009 just after the whole secret come out and I remember you know learning about manifestation and thinking wow there's there's other things to life than you know working a nine-to-five and you can manifest and use your thoughts for things and there is kind of a magic element to life that I wasn't aware of until that point and me and my ex-partner we'd read this book natural cures I don't want you to know about and our eyes had been open to um the fact that we were potentially being lied to by different um you know companies in order you know the health the medication the food companies and you know our jaws hit the floor just thinking like what everything we've ever been taught is not true and now people just think well of course you know we know all this stuff now but back then it was really a hard hitting bit of information that (laughs) our health is actually so much more within our own hands than I had ever realized and I remember going down the supermarket aisle looking for organic products just feeling so overwhelmed there was nothing there there was you know you just didn't know what to buy in order to to get yourself healthier And um, we ended up taking some time out of London and we went traveling in Thailand. And I think we turned vegan at that point. Um, You know, God, this is going way back. And we were actually, we came across this uh, shaman in Koh Phangan in Thailand. And she said to us, um, oh, we're we're holding a ceremony tonight. We're doing uh, ayahuasca no one had heard of ayahuasca and I was like ayahuasca what what are you saying ayahuasca I don't even think like magic mushrooms were that big of a deal back then like I think it was just kind of like oh you know crazy hippies in the 70s used to do them or whatever but for some reason me and my partner at the time were like shall we do this thing like our minds had been opened and um we we did this ceremony and looking back, I I went into it with way too much ego. I had no appreciation for how powerful this medicine was. I did not know what I was letting myself get into. And I had the most insane trip that I'm still processing to this day. Um, so that, I think, is what sparked the book, my ex-partner's interest in natural cures, um his kind of interest in let's call them conspiracy theories for now (laughs) and then the ayahuasca um and I think all of those things combined kind of just opened up my mind to the possibilities of what else there was going on in this life Mm -hmm. and from then on my spiritual journey was just it was like it just taken off so yeah wow I know what happened (laughs) Yeah, that's so interesting. And what has that spiritual journey looked like for you? Because from what I remember, I feel like you almost like went down this kind of hippie path and you Mm -hmm. were in India and doing a lot of 
kind of spiritual work there and then is that still a big part of your life or do you feel like you've almost come away from that at all so what has your spiritual journey looked like yeah I mean wow okay so when I got back from when I got back from Thailand which was it was a very spiritual experience you know I spent um I spent some time I don't know if you've probably heard of her Leila Martin um she's a tantric coach so I I actually worked with her um one-on-one when I was in Thailand and she wasn't like this big famous tantra star that she is now and I got to work and do proper energy work with her um um, within the tantra school itself so there was like a group of people and we were really really exposed to kind of these very ancient teachings and traditions um mind body and soul and um that opened me up in another way as well um and that kind of that was really when the start of the kundalini energy was um awoken and i think that just carried on getting bigger and bigger and and deeper and deeper the more work i did spiritually on whatever plane that was and i think when i had come back to um england the teaching from the ayahuasca and the energy of the kundalini was all combining and my little body and mind had no idea what was going on (laughs) which was quite overwhelming and the ayahuasca had had shown me in a way that the relationship I was in was not right for me but there was so much fear around ending it that I was just like, okay, I'm not going to look at the teaching. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna stay safe. I'm gonna stay safe. But the energy of the of the ayahuasca and the kundalini was getting stronger and stronger that I couldn't ignore it. Um, so much so that I was starting to get really bad anxiety. And I just sat on the end of my bed one day and I said, something within said, I that there's no other option this relationship has to end because living knowing this truth is just so so awful and the relationship ended and it was like jumping off a cliff and just praying that you're going to be caught and luckily I was it was totally the right decision um and looking back I'm so grateful to that relationship because it opened me up to this whole other way of life but it was right for it to end so I'm you know so at peace with that decision but what happened is when I came back to London it was it was like as if I just got caught back up with the nightlife the drinking the drugs the partying trying to look a certain way trying to be a certain way trying to make this much money um and I just got completely caught up in it and it wasn't until I met, strangely enough, an Indian man <laughs> and started having a relationship with him. And then finding out five months later from a phone call from a woman telling me she's his wife, that again, my, <laughs> it was horrendous, my my kind of truth got knocked out of me. You know, I didn't realize that people could lie. I didn't realize that people could be that bad. I'd not experienced that before. And it was in some weird convoluted way, pushing me back to go and find 
my spiritual roots and nourish them again. And so I booked um, a trip to India to learn uh, yoga and all of this kind of stuff. Um, and I went there for a week and <laughs> I didn't come back for four years. Wow, I love that. <laughs> when you do something, you do it properly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and people say, well, how did you live out there? And I'm like, guys, do you know how cheap it is to live in India? I paid 80 pounds a month rent wow. while I was out there and you eat like a king. It's amazing. <laughs> I'm like yeah don't worry about moving to Dubai to save tax just move to India and live like an amazing lifestyle on the beach (laughs) I love India India is magical definitely it's a it's a hard place to live like that saying like mother India she's like a cruel kind of mother but she knows what she's doing she's strict and it's so true I felt like thrown about in India so much but I feel like I needed it you know and did you do that on your own? So you were just in India on your own most of the time? And yeah. Just, like, I'm just thinking of the person who might be feeling like they want to overhaul their life and move to India for £80 a month. Um, <laughs> Like, how safe did you feel doing that on your own? I suppose in a way, like you say, you're kind of just taken care of when you jump, the net is there, as you've just said. But yeah. in terms of like, you know, a single woman traveling yeah. on her own, how did that feel? Yeah, that's a good question. And it's something that I look back on and I'm like, whoa, I can't believe I did that. I think it might have been age. I think I was 20, just 26 when I moved to India. And I I don't think I really knew about the dangers of the world. So I don't think there was that fear of could something bad happen? I just think it was a naivety perhaps that you know gave me the courage to do it and it there was also this kind of drive within me where I was sat and I was sat in London before I left and I was looking at my life like thinking yes this guy's just really screwed me over he's emotionally really hurt me but I've got everything that I'm meant to have I've got the house I've got the money I've got the friends I've got the cool job as a model I've got everything but I'm really, really depressed. And I remember going to the doctor and saying to the doctor, like, I need something because I don't think I'm okay. I need Valium or I need some sort of antidepressant. And thank God she didn't give me anything because she could just see by the state I was in, she was like, no, 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 this is a lifestyle change you need to make. And like kudos to the doctor, because how often do we hear of doctors just being like, here's a pill to take this. They don't actually ask you what's wrong, but thank God she did. And thank God she said like, you need to change something in your life because otherwise I could have just ended up medicated and numb and not finding, you know, true happiness. So so yeah, I think that's what it was. I was just sat in London thinking there has to be more to life than this. I'm so unhappy yet. I've got everything that life is telling me I should have. And I think that's where the kind of search for more meaning came, like the spiritual, there's gotta be something out there that's, uh, yeah, that that's worth searching for, I think, yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. And I think that that, will probably resonate with so many people because I feel a lot of people who have been on a spiritual path, they've kind of got there because they've been 
for want of a better word, rock bottomed in life. You know, you sat there on the end of your bed thinking, I need antidepressants, something needs to change, this lifestyle isn't working. And it's from that place when you're at the bottom where it's like the only place I can go is up and you search for something else. And I think that's so, so common for people. And like you say, it's sad that some people in that position would then be medicated and numbed out to life. But ultimately, it's about taking that risk. You know, you had that feeling inside of you from the ayahuasca, from the Kundalini awakening that like, there's a direction that you need to go in. And having that guidance is one thing, but trusting it and taking those steps and having the bravery and the courage to move forward in that is such a big thing that I just want to in this moment honor you for, but also inquire about like, what did that feel like in terms of stepping into that like you know that something is there for you you know that there's a bigger picture and it does take this courage to overcome to leave the partner to step into something different like what is it I suppose what qualities do you have and what practices do you have and what support do you have within you that kind of drives you forward in those moments where you're struggling and you're at rock bottom to actually step forward and do what you know is right and what you feel you need to like seek more of you know yeah I mean we're looking back it didn't seem like I had a choice it was just like I was that miserable and that depressed and I felt like I tried to just do the norm and and I got it and it was just so unfulfilling and so miserable I just don't I don't think there was another choice like I remember someone else being like oh my god you're so brave and I'm like I think it would have been far scarier to have stayed put yeah yeah and I and I think at the time I didn't quite know I was going for that long (laughs) you know it's like what do they say like if you want to eat an elephant do it a bite at a time (laughs) so it's kind of like that like I didn't intend to go for a month or a year or two or three or four like it just kind of happened um so yeah I think I think if someone is in in like a situation where they're kind of wondering wondering what steps to take I think it's also important to realize that sometimes it does have to get quite bad before you can before you're forced to make that make that change but it doesn't have to like you can do a little trial you know you can say oh I'm just gonna go and do a week's retreat somewhere and test the waters and see oh maybe does that make me feel a bit better if so yes then you know you can take another step towards that you don't have to be like goodbye London goodbye friends goodbye dog gave my poor dog away to my mum didn't I I know um yeah you don't have to be as extreme as I was but you can take like the little steps and just see if that nourishes your soul a bit more Mm, yeah I like that that's definitely good advice and so in terms of like just going back to that situation with your ex-partner who when he was married because I know that you do a lot of like relationship coaching and things now. How do you, I guess, navigate those types of situations? How do you navigate breakups? How do you navigate hurt from a partner? Because that must have felt like such a deep betrayal. I mean, it was obviously such a deep betrayal. 
that like how do you reconcile that within yourself you know the person who's maybe going through that or going through some sort of relationship problems or breakups like what have you found has worked in your life to overcome those difficulties in relationships and also learn to trust again after experiences like that yeah I think that is just such an important question you know like I was 26 at the time naive ignored all the signs even had people telling me like you know he's probably got a wife and I'm so young and silly and not thinking properly um that you just kind of ignore ignore what's actually in front of you and I think I didn't get over it for a long time because it was my the first biggest betrayal that you know, it was probably the shortest relationship I'd ever had, but the biggest betrayal that had ever happened in terms of, um, you know, romantic partner. And I think now when working with clients, um, especially people who have been hurt or, um, you know, cheated on, it's, it's not even learning about how to trust the other person or trust a new partner. It's, it's all about learning how to trust your own intuition that's always been there that perhaps you've been ignoring shutting down abandoning um I think that that's the biggest thing because the more you can honor like your own truth and really listen to your gut instincts and 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 believe what's right in front of your eyes rather than going into kind of candy land with it all and being like oh but you know they're this or they're that or in the future this will happen it's just like no just read exactly what's here in front of you um and trust yourself rather than worrying about trusting anyone else trust yourself to know how to navigate this I think that's the most important thing yeah yeah that's really great advice and I think that that is really difficult for people and I know that's I mean for myself as well that's difficult for me you know and I and I, I guess I acknowledge that so many so much of my life has been dedicated to embodiment practices and to going inward and doing the work and understanding myself and even you know at times I still have these moments where I'm like wait a sec is this my intuition guiding me to something or is this my trauma kind of misguiding me or deceiving me in this moment and it's hard to determine sometimes which is which and this is what I do and how I live you know so I think for the person who you know maybe doesn't have those practices in their life it is even more difficult but as you said it's like the answers are are within and I think that your intuition is always guiding you and your body is always guiding you and so I guess I guess my question there would be in how in what ways do you find in your life to make that distinction between what feels like your intuition and when you know okay this is the next step I need to take that's best for me or something like trauma and mistrust and that's something that's misguiding me Mm. I've been looking quite deeply into this with a client at the moment because it's also something that I've really really only just learn if I'm being totally honest because you're right it's so hard is this my head is it gut instinct what do I trust is my head lying is my gut instinct off have I quietened it down so much that now it's not working like this is all stuff that's you know I just kind of managed to get a grip on it um because it 
it cuts so deep this stuff like when you've been hurt and traumatized um and you do kind of lose touch with your gut instinct it's it's quite crazy to think like how can I how can I really figure this out and I think for me intuition is always um it's like the quiet voice that's there and the kind of trauma and anxiety is super frantic and um will try and get your attention immediately and I think that's that's quite a good indicator of is this a trauma response or if it if it's if it's kind of like okay you know then that's more of your intuition but I'd love to hear if you've got any other things to add on that because it's yeah it's still um still settling in that one with me Mm, yeah and I think for me I find it to be an ongoing journey because I think that I guess we don't ever get to a point where our past is okay yeah I'm done I'm healed I'm only (laughs) in my higher self perspective you know like enlightenment or whatever you (laughs) want to call it I guess like our past and our trauma and the things that take us away from our most authentic truth are always going to spiral around it's like a spiral and so even at one point you think oh I've had this breakthrough in my inner work and yeah I've really got this and it's really landed for me and I feel really in alignment and you might live like that for a while and make decisions from that place and then there are always going to be tests that come up again that go oh but have you really got it because these are like these deeply ingrained patterns within us that you know, ask us to be on this constant journey of evolution to understand ourselves and to seek our highest truth. And I suppose for me, what I've found, and it's, again, like I'm saying, I'm not, I'm not by any means there, because even until very recently, I've had these, these, I guess, um, discrepancies in what is truth and what is the trauma response come up for me. But I suppose what I've found is that it almost doesn't matter because even if something is a trauma response and you need to in a way walk into the fire to understand okay now that wasn't right for me then that's only gonna eventually down that path deepen the trust in okay that wasn't my intuition that was a trauma response and so now the voice of my intuition is louder as a result of me stepping into that fire And that's okay because that's part of the journey. So it's like we don't need to beat ourselves up about not knowing in every moment. I was listening to a podcast recently about free will. It's on the Waking Up app. I don't know if you've heard. Oh, I love him. He's great. Sam Harris. Sam Harris, yeah. If you listen to the thing that he talks about free will, oh my God, that was life-changing for me because I was like, oh my God, we don't have free will. So everything's almost like predetermined in our lives. And so if you really trust that, then every voice within is the voice of intuition anyway. You know, maybe you've got to go through a bit of a difficult path with a few spiky nettles on the way and you're going to get burned a little bit. But ultimately that's part of the journey anyway. And I guess it's like, for me, what I'm trying to come to is like, everything every experience no matter how difficult it is on the path is all part of this divine plan anyway and so therefore it's it's teaching me and it's shaping me and I guess like from hearing you speak about your experience with that past partner you know you're now in a place where you do relationship coaching and so 
if someone came to you as a client now and you'd always had these like perfect relationships, it almost, it feels to me like it almost doesn't hold as much weight because you've not experienced it. So if you're then saying, oh no, it's fine. You can get over that betrayal, but you've never felt betrayal in your life. Then how can you embody that and teach from that place? And the reason that I say that is because for me, obviously I work with women and one of the things that always comes up for me on that same uh, path, I guess, is the way that I gave birth was so difficult. Like I went through like every complication you could possibly have. And now, I, you know, I work with women, I teach women, I teach pregnancy yoga and things. And it's like, how I, how can I stand up in front of a room full of women and be like, you can make it through anything. You can have the birth that you want to have. You can feel empowered. If I just sneezed and my baby came out and it was easy, you know, <laughs> so it's like, and also like with, you know, there's been other things in my life that have felt like huge rock bottoms, but actually they've shaped me and allowed me to step into the person that I am now and teach from that experience. And I think that that's actually, even though it's very difficult at the time when we go through these horrible experiences and these rock bottoms, it actually gives us that wisdom to be able on our journey to be able to teach and hold space in the way that we do. So whilst I'm not trying to minimize anybody's experience who might be listening and might be going through that rock bottom, and I don't want to, you know, try and jump to a silver lining because some things are just really shit and horrible to experience. But in a way it's like it's all part of this beautiful divine plan and if you can trust that then I guess the the edges of life soften a little Mm. bit when you're going through them I love that and the reminder of that Sam Harris episode Mm. kind of just like made me melt a little bit because you just kind of remember that it's really it is all out of your control at the end of the day and how much of a relief is that like I know when I first heard that and I hadn't experienced it like had a little like spiritual experience around free will it terrified me so I'm sure there are people going to be listening like what they don't believe in free will but when you really kind of look at it and just be like oh you can relax now it's like oh And we can play with manifestations and we can play with all of that kind of stuff. But even that is predetermined. (laughs) Yeah, Honestly, anyone who's listening to this, I really recommend. I'll put the link to that in the show notes, actually, because I remember when I listened to it, because I always listen, I have quite a long school run to drop my son at school. And I always listen to podcasts in the car. And I remember like my jaw, I remember driving to school and my jaw was like on the floor, like, oh my God, this is like revelatory. such a good it's such a good podcast I don't know what you'd call it to listen to it's, it's it is and just to kind of just stay on this topic for a second um when I was in India I dotted about from guru to spiritual teacher to ashram um you know I did all the big ones like um Rupert Spira and Muji I lived in the ashram in Portugal with him for a bit um you know traveled to San Francisco saw Matt Khan Gangaji like a did a tour basically of all the gurus that I could possibly find that were still teaching um and I ended up going to a man called Roger Costello um who's a very matter-of-fact spiritual teacher he's I believe he's Australian um but very logical 
you know, just looks like a normal dude um, sat next to a plant pot and a picture of his Indian teacher. And he's just such a just such a dude that just talks about, um, you know, free will, spirituality, about, you know, kind of how there are these um, emotions that we can look at from an outsider's point of view. And I, I can't remember the full teaching, but all I know is that he talks a lot about free will. And one day I was sat in his satsang in the mountains in Rishikesh, um, you know, two feet away from him. And he just looked at me and something that he said clicked. And I was just like, oh my God, huh? it's literally all taken care of everything's taken care of all this struggle and fight for trying to make things work and trying to fix things and trying to get somewhere and all of this fight just went and it dropped and there was just this realization that if I'm unhappy it's fine if I'm if I'm laughing it's fine if I'm you know if I feel a bit of whatever sadness or anger it's all fine it's all taking place within this space of just like absolute nothingness and I walked around Rishikesh for about two days on a complete bliss cloud um I don't think I ate for two days I don't think I slept I don't think I even talked I was just like walking around in complete bliss just being like it's all taken care of everything's fine and then slowly slowly the mind crept back in and it's like oh but maybe you should do this or maybe you should try this and you know then the kind of thoughts of the mind grabbed hold again and suddenly I'm back thinking I'm a very important person and I must do this and that but for those two days that was pretty cool and uh yeah I still listen to his stuff now he's he's a really phenomenal teacher oh nice yeah I haven't heard of him I don't think I'll I'll have a little look and I'll put them put that in the show notes as well and I guess from there, it's a good a good um, place to sort of segue into what that looked like when you came back to London. So you've been in India for like four years, you know, going to all these spiritual teachers. How do you transition back into the busyness of London? Because I know for me, so I lived in London for a few years and then moved away, traveled, did different things. And now I don't live in London, obviously. And I like to dip in and out of London because I love how I love the hustle and bustle. And that's what I loved when I was in my early 20s and I lived in London. I love the busyness of it, the momentum, the just the, I just love London. It's a great city. But I would find it I'm so sensitive to energy that I, I do find it quite overwhelming when I spend a lot of time in London. And I imagine coming from, you know, a mountain in Rishikesh <laughs> to back to London must have been quite difficult I suppose or interesting maybe is the word to say uh transition so like how did that journey look and also I guess part of that question would be how do you stay integrated and stay mindful of those teachings when you come back to one quote-unquote real life Mm. yeah okay so the first part when I came back it was a huge adjustment because it wasn't just like coming back and like picking up where I left off. It was like, I'd been in silence for six months during that time. Um, I wrote myself a little badge in Hindi saying in silence. And I was literally, I didn't speak to anyone for six months. Um, Part of that was me meditating, going inside, trying to find enlightenment and the answers to life and da da da. But part of it was just like 
I need a break. I need a break from like talking to everyone and taking on people's energies. Cause I think what happened with all the yoga and the meditation and the very clean eating and the ashrams and being around like super kind of energetically powerful people, I something had happened where I just kind of everything opened up and I was at the extreme end of being empathic where I could just look at someone and feel everything or you know and it was great (laughs) I was joyriding off of people that I saw in love or you know laughing I'd be like oh my god I feel so in love too like just sat on a bench like watching a cow go by and be like man that cow's happy now I'm so happy (laughs) but then you know you'd see someone crying or upset or a dog that had been run over and you I would feel that pain like it was I felt like I was mourning for the whole world at one point it was just way too open way too ungrounded way too just like everything was too much and so when I came back to London you can imagine like there are no mountains in London there was no kind of like fresh air. It was very, that the energy was so, so dense. And I really did struggle like a lot. I found it hard to keep a conversation going. I found it hard to know how to relate to people in certain ways, just because I'd been so far removed from this reality in life, I guess. But um, I'd say by that point, I had an, I had another partner in London and he was not, kind of spiritual at all he was just kind of like oh you crazy hippie what are you doing <laughs> um and so he was kind of here which was nice but um I think I, I think I kind of just focused on the gut health stuff I was I was kind of closing down the spiritual stuff because being so empathetic had left me feeling quite raw and vulnerable so I'd shut that down And I was just focusing on, okay, I'm going to learn my gut health stuff. I'm going to help people. Because I actually, in in India, I came across a book called The Mood Cure by Julia Ross. Um, And that was really life-changing for me. It was really the first time that I discovered that, you know, the food that you ate could really affect your mood and what kind of foods um, to avoid, what supplements I needed. And I had a little windowsill with about 10 different supplements that I'd ordered from Amazon to India somehow and spent about a hundred pounds just getting them there in the delivery fee. Um, But I think after reading that book, coming back to London, feeling like the energy was crazy, then finding this um, Institute of Integrative Nutrition course and being like, oh my God, maybe I can put all the skills that I've learned while I've been traveling for four years, put them together you know, because I did courses here and there in between all the spiritual stuff, you know, went to Bali, did a raw detox course and did my yoga teacher training. And there was lots of different courses I did along the way in between it all. I wasn't just sat in a cave, I promise. <laughs> um, and I came back and I, I found the Institute of Integrated Nutrition. And I was like, this is the course that I can put all my skills together and actually help people do something if I get professional training. So I did that. And um, that's how I started coaching after I did that course and I put everything together. Um, I think that was really helpful. But but then obviously you feel like a part of you is missing. And I think the whole spiritual side did feel neglected, actually only up until probably the beginning of this year. Um, 
because I was so focused on the gut health, the skin health, you know, um, the hormone balancing. And it wasn't really until the beginning of this year that I started properly meditating again, connecting to myself properly. Um, I'm really kind of learning what that looks like again and getting the balance super right. Um, and then I discovered Theta Healing, which has been so transformative. I, I'd say that the last two years of proper like psychotherapy has been nothing compared to the last seven sessions of theta healing which has been because I I as a coach I still have my own therapies like I still try and do some sort of healing every week or you know speak to someone and just kind of work on stuff because constantly evolving um but yeah I'd say the theta has really managed to balance that um that spiritual with the very kind of dense energies of London and made me able to thrive in this environment rather than just be like oh my god I need to quickly get out of London go and like hug a tree <laughs> you know so yeah I think theta healing which I'm now going to train in that's like that's been the biggest thing as of recent times that's helped me really manage in London mm. yeah I've never really I don't have I had theta healing I think I have at some point but I guess uh, for the person who doesn't know what that is would you be able to like explain a little bit about it yeah so I don't really know how it works um all I know is that you get yourself into a theta brainwave state through meditation and the healer uses their intuition and very cleverly worded questions to dig down deeper into the root cause of where let's say um, social anxiety began or a gut health issue began um, and they get to the very root of it and um, replace that limiting belief with new codes and new downloads that free you up and just let you live a life that's a lot more kind of easy breezy mm, sounds does that good. make sense yeah <laughs> um, yeah I feel like I have had a session because I'm um, a friend who who I always have my healings with I'm pretty sure she does theta healing as well there's mm. lots of other different modalities um but yeah it sounds really good and I think it's important to like like you say about you know obviously you're a coach but you need you know you need to have a coach yourself or a therapist or different healers in different capacities to support you on that journey and I think you know everyone does like it's super important for me I think I'm not having psychotherapy at the moment but I was for a while maybe almost a year I think and it was life-changing just to have that support in that way to show you your blind spots to show you the things that you know you need to look at and have a different perspective because I think for me I found that doing so much spiritual work specifically I can almost get into a little bit of like an echo chamber whereas mm -hmm. when I went to my psychotherapist it really helped me because it was like someone who was obviously professionally trained and wasn't coming at it from a spiritual perspective it was like right okay this is what's happening within your mind and you know this is what happened in your childhood whatever you know and it's it's so so important you know and I find that like let's say with my clients that I'm working with that come to me with gut health issues 
we'll go so far, you know, we'll look at diet, we'll look at eliminating stuff, we'll look at, um, you know, putting in all the good stuff, repopulating, rebuilding, um, or the triggers, we'll look at all of that, we'll get the supplements in, you know, remove the stress levels, get the exercise, da, 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 all of it done. But then you get to the end of that. And if there's still something going on, it's like, okay, I've come to the end of the road with how far I can go on this. But then you find the next thing that can dig down. And the next thing I've found is the theta. So I'm like, I need to learn me this so I can now take my clients to the next level. You know, it's, um, it's so exciting when you find something that can just propel you on further. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I love that. Um, be interested to hear how your journey goes with it so in terms of like the physical side of stuff because I feel like we can't do a whole podcast without talking about (laughs) health and biohacking and all of that because I feel like you're just a wealth of knowledge and all of those things um so I guess a good place to start with that is what would your like daily routine look like in terms of your practices and the way that you prioritize health and wellness in your life I love that question you know no one ever asked me that I'm always the one that asks my clients tell me what your morning routine is like (laughs) Um, I love that I get to share a bit it's nice so thank you um without fail if I want to have a good day it starts with some form of exercise and getting out the house um getting some sort of light on my skin you know from the sun so that the hormones can start making the right things for my body getting the melatonin production going getting the vitamin d in there for the energy so it's always getting out the house getting to some sort of movement class and just for me and my own mental health i like to do classes with other people it makes me feel good that they don't necessarily have to know them but i really like being in a room with people i don't really like going to the gym um you know, when no one's there and doing a workout on my own, that just doesn't give me like the community feeling, but everyone's different. So movement, sunlight, and then um, I'll do, I use these little things called cell nutrition, which is like marine plasma. And it's basically like salt water and it's got lots of different minerals. And I use that and it's, it's meant to just give your body everything it needs first thing. But, you know, failing that, if I don't have that and I'm away, it will be like a pinch of salt water in, um, yeah, a pinch of salt in water, uh, Himalayan or Celtic. Um, that's really good. Just flushes everything out. Um, I'll try and get a bit of red light in there. I find that's brilliant for like mood lifting. And obviously, you know, you get all the beauty benefits of it being good for your hair growth, good for your eyes, good for your skin. Um, but yeah, I, I noticed that like really lifts my mood as well. Um, and then I think the other thing that I like to do is, uh, it sounds so basic and I know so many people do this, but I can't leave it out because it really, it it really does affect how I feel about the day. And that's just writing gratitudes. And that might be just a quarter of an A4 page of just a list of maybe 10 gratitudes from the day before or something. It could be as simple as I'm so grateful I get to move my body today or you know, I'm so grateful that I have a warm house that's not freezing cold. It could be anything, but just getting myself into that state of gratitude. Um, yeah, I I think those three things are, are super important to me. Yeah. What are yours? I want to know what yours are. 
So I guess with me, the first thing I do when I open my eyes is take my temperature because oh, I try, it's to track ovulation. So I do that to know when I've ovulated. Um, and I always do it lay down in bed before I get up because movement can affect your basal body temperature. So I do that as soon as I open my eyes. And then I'll usually do a meditation straight away, like a guided meditation. So either like a Joe Dispenza meditation or I don't know if you know the brand to be magnetic. No, I don't. It's great. So it's I've been a member of the because it's like a pathway membership thing. It's all about manifestation, but and it's great. And I do resonate with that from a manifestation perspective, but it's actually um it's about neural plasticity and rewiring your subconscious mind to a state of high self-worth and so the meditations that they have are like um self-hypnosis so it can take you into like say a particular memory when you're a child that then it's like we're talking about those patterns that repeat in these unconscious patterns you kind of go into your subconscious and rewire the pattern around that memory so that then you're not operating from that old like belief system um, and I love their work. So I'll either do one of their meditations or the Joe Dispenza, which I love as well. And then I eat straight away when I wake up. Well, sorry, I scrape my tongue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I said every day. Scrape my tongue um, every morning. And then I will eat because I try and eat within half an hour of waking up again for like my metabolism and stuff and for for hormone health so I'll have breakfast and then usually either I'll be on the school run or I'll do some sort of movement so I do have movement pretty much every day and usually I do like pilates and stuff or I'll go to the gym because I've just recently started back at the gym so that's kind of like my my main things I would get out into the sun but we're just always so busy in the mornings. Like over the summer when Malachi's off, we can get out early on. But um, but yeah, it's not possible when I've got to be on the school run. Although I suppose I'm going out because I'm on the school run. Um, but yeah, I think that's it really. I think it's so important to kind of be aware that everyone is so different and mm-hmm. like everyone's needs for their morning routine are so different like all of my clients have completely different morning routines and it's trial and error of like what works for you you know like what works for you and sets you up the best so that you are in the right frame of mind to kind of have the best day possible and and make the right choices for yourself because you've set yourself up so well so yeah it's nice to hear yours yeah yeah it's interesting it is, and I suppose as well, I think it's important to say for people to not get bogged down with like, I have to do this every single day and I have to do that every single day, you know, like, so I also use the red light. In fact, mm-hmm. this is actually a question that I want to ask you because I think we've got the same red light because I remember I put it on my stories and you and my other friend both rec- both recommended the exact same one. I was like, right, that's the one, that's the one I'm going to get. Do you ever do it at night or do you always do oh it? Oh my gosh. No, definitely at night. Okay, yeah, because I do it at night, you see, because I just don't have the time in the morning. Um, but yeah, I love the red light as well. I do. love the red light, obsessed with it. I've actually got it set up in my living room and I bought a mic stand for it so that I can just sit That's there. That's Yeah, because otherwise you have to hold it. and it yeah. kind of So usually fits. I just have a lay on my side and I've got it like on my face and like next to me on the pillow. But yeah, that'd be so good, have a mic stand. I might have to get one. Yeah, it's it's so good. And I think the thing that I found 
red light is one thing that I won't travel without no matter where I go that is going in the suitcase with me um because I find if I ever wake up like say I'm in a different time zone and I can't get back to sleep I just put the red light on my face for like 10 20 minutes and I'm asleep and it just saves jet lag it just soothes everything and then obviously you know helps with period pain like instead of a hot water bottle but yeah no to answer your question I I use it at night for sure yeah I love it so good for helping me get to sleep yeah I love the red light because I bought the red light because I had like a strange rat I never have any skin problems like I've always been really lucky with my skin and I had like a little rash around my eye at the end of last year Mm. I just didn't know what it was and it just wasn't going and then I bought the red light and within like two weeks it was gone (laughs) I was like It's just amazing. Like the red amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And in terms of gut health, are there any like because I feel like we're kind of jumping around topics here, but I'm just like, right, I want to pick your brains about everything. Are there any kind of, I guess, from working with clients, are there any main things that you would recommend like across the board to everybody that can be kind of generalized advice that you would give and I suppose not just gut health but in terms of like I mean obviously you've just said your morning routine and there's things that people can think about there but just other key points I guess takeaways for people of like how if they're feeling like they're in a rut with their health um, and with their gut health the digestion what would be kind of key pieces that you would give to those people yeah okay so supplement wise I would say magnesium is so beneficial for gut health um I think that's kind of we're all lacking in magnesium from the research that I've read um and if it's not for your gut like your I can't remember if it's like 70 or 200 or 500 but basically your body needs magnesium for loads of different functions so yeah I think magnesium is an absolute fail safe when it comes to gut health and then turmeric obviously you know that's very popular and just kind of remind everyone that um inflammation is the common denominator of most um uh, generic disease so lowering inflammation taking turmeric is always a good bet and yeah gut health mostly inflammatory based so bringing inflammation down as much as you can is is always the best option um and then in terms of diet I would always say prioritize like fats and protein first and then um obviously like try to not cut out carbs you know I've done the whole keto thing I've you tried it on myself like worked with clients trying to do that too it's just very restrictive and I think it's very hard to manage but I do agree that let's say um the kind of grains like pasta and bread and stuff this is only going to irritate the gut so if you have kind of got leaky gut like tiny tears in the wall lining that's only going to make it worse so yeah I'd stick to ancient grains like quinoa um teff that kind of stuff I got obsessed with teff for a while a few years ago having it every day (laughs) yeah nice oh I'll have to try out some recipes because I've always kind of looked at it and been like what else can I do with you (laughs) I just used to put it what did I use I think I just used to put it in like with chia seeds maybe what did I or maybe in some sort of like chia porridge thing I think I used to have it for my breakfast every day yeah, I got I was a bit obsessed with Teff actually. All hail the Teff. Yeah, so I think ancient grains and then um 
yeah healthy fats so you've got your avocado um you know your oily fish um that kind of like good nuts that kind of stuff for the fats good quality um olive oil definitely no seed oils they're, they're kind of like becoming more well known now but i still think people think that sunflower oil is a good option whereas definitely not it's highly inflammatory and i would avoid it at all costs it's been very much linked to depression weight gain um so i think avoid seed oils um gluten in general obviously sugar and coffee um can can be inflammatory if you're going to have coffee make sure you eat first i'd always say that because otherwise as you know it's going to affect your hormones um but yeah i think that that would be my kind of and and obviously dairy like do a little experiment with dairy and gluten remove them for a few weeks and see how you go but yeah i think i think that's a, a fairly good roundup of what i suggest have i have i forgotten anything um I don't think so. I don't think so. It sounds pretty good. Yeah, that's really good advice. And I think it's good, easy things that people can kind of implement, yeah. right? Because that's it. So many people I think struggle with the digestion. You know, it's such a common, a common thing, isn't it? And like you say, but you know, we live in a world now where so many foods are laced with these inflammatory oils and stuff especially if you go out for dinner like you, you're bound to have it so I think it's good to just be aware of it and you know make healthier choices when you can you know yeah and I think also a good tip is don't be afraid to ask for swaps like if you're in a restaurant and let's say you order I don't know steak and chips just say please can I have the steak but can I have a side of broccoli instead of the chips? Um, you know, don't be afraid to ask for swaps. And also you can ask, like, what do you cook your stuff in? If you if they answer sunflower oil, just be like, okay, can you cook it in butter? Or can you cook it in, in olive oil? Like I'm always asking restaurants to make oh, little really? adjustments. Yeah. And I think some people might be a bit embarrassed to do that, but, you know do it <laughs> it's for your health oh, that's good yeah no that's really good advice because I wouldn't I mean it's one of those things that I kind of think and I'm always like oh it's just when I go out it's fine I'll just eat whatever but like yeah I've never really thought of like no I can actually make a decision and ask them to do it differently so yeah I think I'm going to start being I'm going to start being that person yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah just to I guess we're kind of rounding it up now but I guess the final kind of question is well firstly how can people contact you how can they work with you and what have you got coming up in the future so obviously you're doing your theta healing what else do you see in your vision for how you want to move forward and support yourself in this beautiful journey that you're on yeah lovely I so I'm planning a little trip to Bali where I'm gonna go I'm gonna digest all of this uh, new theta work that I'm gonna be doing and um, I think I'm going to be putting together some sort of online program for people because I think working one-on-one -on -one is great but it can be quite expensive and so I want to create something that's affordable for people to just do that's set out and they can take their time with it and digest recipes and um, you know practices and it's going to incorporate you know little meditations and movement um, practices and things like that so I think my trip to Bali is going to be creating this kind of online course thing for people um but yeah I think for me personally the the theta healing combined with the gut health health coaching the relationship coaching it's all just going to take 
everything that I do to the next level, which um, is exciting for me personally, but also obviously it's going to be so rewarding when I work with people and I see that I can take them even deeper into their healing and deeper into a more expansion of a beautiful life. So yeah, that's, I think that's the plan for me. <laughs> oh, I love that. And I'm really excited to, to watch your journey. I love it. Thank you. <laughs> I love the way that you're doing, Melly. And thank you so much for talking to me today. I'll put all of your links in the, in the show notes as well. So people can find your website and your everything to work. Thank with. you. Um, yeah. So- yeah oh I've loved speaking to you thank you so much for having me on oh thank you for being here I hope that you enjoyed that episode I will put all of Melissa's details below her Instagram her website and everything in case you want to reach out to her or work with her and you can also reach out to me at any time as well so on Instagram I'm Gina underscore Torres or at this is womanhood If you have any questions about the podcast or anything that we've discussed, then feel free to reach out to me. And if you enjoyed this podcast, then please do leave a review, share, like, follow along, all of that. And then just another reminder that if you are wanting to practice yoga with me, I have some workshops coming up and I also have an online membership. So I'm a women's yoga teacher and um, my membership site is all focused around the inner seasons of the menstrual cycle. So I recorded an episode all about the inner seasons, so you can go back and listen to that if you're interested. But it's basically the different phases of your menstrual cycle and how you're going to feel different in each of those four phases. And then if you want to practice with me, you can practice different classes based on where you're at in your cycle. So there's everything from meditations and restorative yoga all the way through to vinyasa and more dynamic flows, womb yoga, embodiment practices, and everything in between. So if you'd like to practice with me, head to my website which is trustthemovement.com I'll link it below and you get a seven day free trial so yeah if you've got any questions about that then again please do reach out I'll be happy to answer them and thank you for listening to the podcast I'll see you next time bye